Pastor Tosh Sturgis. Ah, you may be seated. Praise God. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord on the first of the first. Amen. Now, I'm just going to remove this over to here for whoever needs to notice that. So I guarantee you if it's plugged in, I'm going to knock it off. All right. Bless the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, that you are with us, that you've strengthened us to come together at the beginning of the year to dedicate our time here on this earth for this next season right into your hands. Lord, we know that you are the maker of the heavens and the earth. We know that, Lord Jesus, when you were raised up and seated in the heavenly places, above all principality and power and rule and might and dominion in every name that is named, that at that time, Lord Jesus, the Father in heaven, he made you to be head over all things to the church. Everything in the whole world for the church is underneath your purview, Lord Jesus. And we just dedicate ourselves to you into the plan that you have in 2023 for each and every one of us. And we pray, Lord, that we would be spoken to today by your mighty presence, by your mighty spirit. That, Lord, that when we leave this place, that we would not be the same people that walked in these doors. That your spirit and the work that you are doing in this earth, in this season, would be established in us. Not by the word of man, but by the work of your spirit, we pray. Let that which is from beyond transition into us here today. That we might be living vessels and carriers of the messages and the realities of heaven. And everyone who believes said, Amen. 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 It's been, a, uh, it's been a, in many, many years that I've known Pastor Paul for, and I just want to say uh, to him and Pastor Tanya, uh, thank you for the honor of having me on your platform today and sharing the Word of God. Uh, I remember many years of going to ACC or AOG, as it was in those days, state conferences, and our wives sharing time together in the baby's room. And then there was another baby, and then for us it was another baby and another baby. I'm the, I'm the dad of five, and uh, I've got two of my wonderful kids here today. And so um, praise God for his faithfulness to us in our families, amen. It's one thing for us to have faith, but we want to believe to see God move into the next generation. And uh, I just want to thank Pastor Paul and Tanya for the great example that they show with their kids as well. I think we can learn a lot from people who've got children who walk with the Lord and uh, doing a great job not only shepherding the house of God, but also their own family. So God bless you guys and uh, the hand of God's evident upon you. So praise God for that. I was talking to Pastor Paul as I walked into the room today and he was saying you guys have been here for about a year in this facility and I just really feel that uh, this year is going to be a year for spiritual encounter in your church and so I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what numbers mean in the kingdom of God but I know that what makes a lasting impression on people's lives is spiritual encounter. I know you can go to a church service and feel nothing, but you can go into a church service and have an encounter with God and leave and never be the same again. It happened to me when I was 21, and I just believe that uh, in this day and age where the world is getting a little bit different to what we've ever known it to be before, and normal is starting to look, you know, uh, as, a, 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 as a, a plural of what can be normal, God is doing something in this day and in this age that's never been done before. 
A lot of people in the church can be looking at the world and saying, oh, well, there's a, an enemy there and there's a problem there and, and this is going to be a threat to that sort of thing. I'll tell you what, we've, we've faced nothing compared to what the ancient world faced. Amen? The world into which Jesus was born, lived, preached, ministered, died, and then was raised from the dead, that world was a barbaric, heathenistic, horrific place. And, and we, we sometimes look at what the world was like 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago in the West, and we think, oh my gosh, it's coming apart at the seams. Well, it was only the gospel that put it together in the first place, you know, 2,000 years ago. And so, we're, you know, if, if we can even be at the point where we're looking at the world saying, oh, this sin is creeping into the church. Sin is creeping into the world. Sin is creeping into the governments and the systems of the, of the world around us. Oh, we've got to be worried. We've got to lock down and make sure we're walking in holiness and being righteous. And we've got to focus on being more righteous ourselves. But you know what? No, because the Bible says that where, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And if we go looking at death, all we're going to see is death. If we go looking at problems, all we're going to see is problems. But if we go looking for the life of God, we find God start to manifest who He is, not on the world out there, but on the inside here. Amen? And then when we can carry something different to what the world has, people say, what's that person carrying? What have you got that's different? What's different about you? And you can share an answer that they can't find as they keep scrolling. Because they're finding answers when they're scrolling. But natural wisdom is of the natural world. And so are we, are we surprised that things are going in the direction that they're going now inside of humanism? Because humanism begins with humanity and it circles back around and makes the reason of existence humanity. But when we focus on who God is, if God's our creator and he's our existence, he's beyond this world. All humans are able to do is view and guide and, and look into the things of this world. But if we look into the heavens, we start to carry something different to what the world has. All of a sudden, our Christianity has answers that the world doesn't have. And, and just because it generates, like this generation is railing against the generations that come before. They were so bigoted. They were so horrific. They were so mean-spirited. They were so discriminatory. They were so bad. They're so... But if you listen to the sound of that message, it's now I'm doing it the right way. You're all wrong, but I'm, I'm a caring person. I'm, I, I care about love. Okay. Well, let's embody that message and show, let's show that love then. I've got my love. I just don't share it with you haters. Well, you know what? Jesus shared his love with the whole world. While the whole world hated his guts. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you can have your love. But you know what? I'm just going to focus on the cross. That's all I really know. You know, I got saved as a young man. I was a publican, 21 years of age. I met Jesus. I was living a horrible lifestyle. I was absolutely miserable. And I was confounded by this idea that I'd chased after everything that my generation told me to chase after. I'd laid my hands on everything my generation in popular media told me that was going to fulfill me. And you know what I found at the bottom of that? It was the bottom of an empty, dry well. I dug a well down to nothing. And I was empty. And I was like, well, if this is all there is, I don't want to be around for this. I've committed myself fully to this and I hate who I am. And I just want to say that maybe that's a trick the devil plays on every generation. And maybe we need to be around for people who are going to have 
epiphanies and moments of realization and have arms wide enough to say, I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to love you in the face of whatever comes my way and whatever, whatever love you have for me. I'm just going to love you back with a humble, gentle, loving grace, you know. And so I want to share, I want to share a word to you today that, uh, that takes our faith and points it into the direction, not on the outside, but, but looking on the inside. Who, not, not who are you, but who am I? Do you know what I'm saying? Because if, if you're going to go and live your life in your world, you're going to have to live your life in your world as yourself, not as me. And, um, you know, I've been in ministry now for about 20 years. Started off about 20 years ago, planting and pioneering a church. Ran that for five years and for about 15 years now, been on the road as an itinerant evangelist. And so that's how I know Pastor Paul through the pioneering church year days and then through all the years of conferences and all that kind of stuff and fellowship and coffee and lunches and, and all that stuff. And, and one of the things that I've found along the way, I've seen a lot of churches all over the world, been to many, many different places. But one of the things that I find is is so true in every destination that I've ever been is that people who seek the Lord live a life that, that is based on, on Him and, and they have a very strong connection internally to God Himself. And, and I want to share with you, I believe, a secret to that. And I think I, I was praying about this message um, and I was going to preach a different message, but... I, I came to this one and I was, then you, then you know when you change your message at the last minute, you're like, oh, did I do the right thing? And then I, everyone's saying all this stuff this morning and they're like, ah, cool, uh, I'm on the right page here. So um, I'm call, I've called this message hunger and thirst. Now, essentially, the, um, the way the world is at the moment, there are forces out there that are trying to direct our hunger and our thirst. As a, uh, as a spiritual being, as a soul, we're a mind, a will, and an emotion. We're a set of those three, mind, will, and emotions. And with those three things there, our, our mind is the rational part of us. Our emotions is the driven part of us that sort of Im- impulsively goes after whatever, our, whatever our, our hungers are. But our will is the part that chooses in the middle which one we're going to go for. Are we going to run after our impulses or are we going to think things through Whichever one we operate from has to go through our will. And so I believe what the enemy and what the world around us is trying to do at the moment is trying to direct our hunger and thirst to chase after whatever is, is most shiny and most glamorous. And when we look at Jesus, we see his hunger and his thirst is in his Father. In John chapter 6 and verse 35 to 37, it says this, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Now, sometimes the promises and the statements that Jesus makes and what God says about himself is so dramatic that it's easy for us to look past and sort of say, oh, that's nice, that's you, Jesus. That's okay for you to say that. But just just think about how humongous this statement here is. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. In the world we live today and, and the thousands of messages that bombard us on, on television and on, through our phones and on, on radio and billboards, the thousands of messages, they're all trying to stoke a hunger in us for something that we haven't got. Oh, you're going to be happy when you get the new electric vehicle. You're going to be happy when you get the extension on the house. You're going to be happy when you get that new handbag. You're going to be happy when you get those new shoes. You're going to be... 
All that, where does that come from? That's very crafted, sculpted messaging to try to get you in your will to act out of your will. Okay? Now, what, what's going to drive you into acting out of your will is the hunger and thirst that's been poked inside of you. The hunger and thirst that's been stoked inside of you. And so here's Jesus, and he goes and he makes this extraordinary claim, he who, hum, he who comes to me shall never hunger. So when, if I, it's okay for me to talk about me today, I won't talk about you, but I'll just talk about me. Because <clears throat> I'm sure you're all perfect Christians, I'm, I know, but I do struggle. Um, he who comes to me shall never hunger. What you been hungering for, Tosh? What you've been hungering for, because when I'm coming to him, when I'm, when I'm seeking him, when I'm pressing into his presence, something of beyond starts to take root in me, which is bigger than my hungers for this world. And when my hungers for this world start overwhelming me, I've learned that it's a pretty, pretty good indication that I've stopped really looking beyond for my hungers to be fulfilled. Can I get an amen? So if we flip that around... We can see that Jesus is, what he's saying here doesn't make sense to the natural man, but it makes sense to our spirit. When we, when we come to him, it's like he, he, he touches us and he stirs us with a stirring that's beyond this world. And he creates in us a hunger. We can't quite put our finger on it, but we know the answer is more of him. We know the answer isn't in being prideful and being powerful and being the ones out the front, we know that the answer is searching after Him and walking in humility and living a life of sacrifice and taking up our cross and following Him and laying down our lives because we know that inside of that, we're going to be raised up to a newness of life that's beyond what this world can offer. And as we just walk inside of Him and hold on to Him, we see that this promise can be really made true. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. You want to really be fulfilled? Come and eat of the bread of life. Jesus, in John chapter 4, he sends his disciples away into the city, into Samaria to go and get some food because he's going to go to the well and have an encounter with this woman. And so he's got his entourage around him and he sent him for some, he sent them off for a McDonald's family pack and they've gone off to McDonald's in Samaria and Jesus is having this encounter with this lady at the well and they've come back with his Big Mac and his shake and his fries and they're like hey jesus here's your food and jesus is like yeah i got other food that you guys don't know about and they're like what are you talking about because there's a living example of jesus right there in the moment he sends his people off this encounter happens where heaven touches earth through jesus into this woman's life and jesus has shared the gospel with her she's had an encounter with him over who he is She's taken off into the city to go and shake and change the city. And Jesus, when he was hungry for natural food, he'd caught a hold of the spiritual dynamic of what God was doing in the moment that he was not prepared for. When his food arrived, according to the old plan, he's like, I got a new plan now. And he's fasting and praying for this woman and revival's about to break out in Samaria. Because Jesus understood that there's a manner which is from heaven, 
which is far more fulfilling than the manna that's from earth. There's an appetite that comes, that, are, that is only satisfied from heaven, that is never going to be filled by the natural things. And if we're going to look into this world right now and be the kinds of people that are going to be able to say, no matter how ugly it gets, they're still not burning us at the stake like they were 2,000 years ago. We can face this in Jesus' name, amen? They're not throwing us to the lions so we can surely pray. Do you know what I'm saying? They were throwing them to the lions in the first century. They were throwing them to the lions in Daniel's day. The church and God's followers have faced real adversity far more than we've ever faced before. So let's be real and say, I can pray, Lord. I don't have the new car, but I'm not going to be overwhelmed in Jesus' name. Maybe I can just forget about that worry and scrolling my worries away. Maybe I can just be in your presence and be satisfied with you and maybe I can get a hold of something bigger than me getting a new this or a new that or a shiny one of these or a shiny one of those because when we get to heaven, we're not going to care what, what, what flavor iPhone we've got this month. We're not going to care what color car we had. We're going to be looking around at the souls of the people who we've shared the gospel with and that are God's treasure for all of eternity who are saying, I'm here because you shared that message with me. Amen. I was lost. I was caught up in the world and I come to heaven and I might have come to heaven with purple colored hair and earrings through my nose, but at least I got to heaven. Amen. Not that there's anything wrong with purple colored heaven and earrings through the nose, but I'm just saying that's a new generational thing. You know, older people, I'm now the older generation. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. That wrecks my brain. Wrecks my brain. There you go. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you shall see me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. So yet at this point in John chapter 6 the Holy Spirit had not come to the earth And they were still going to be walking in their challenges. And I want to say this. They were still suffering and living with with natural hunger and thirst. And hunger and thirst does keep us going. It's a God-given thing. Galatians chapter chapter 6 and verses 7 to 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So we, we've, got a, we've got a natural kind of hunger that's there for us to take a spiritual lesson from. But the spiritual lesson that we take from it is this, that natural, the, the ways of the natural world, the Bible says that they're all going to be swept away one day. They're all doomed for corruption. But on the other side of things, the ways of God's Spirit, the ways of God's creation in the spiritual realm are completely different to the ways of the natural. And so easy it is for us to take the principles that we've learned in our natural living and then try to apply them in the spirit. But the two are completely at odds with each other. The natural, the natural world says you've got to keep for yourself and you've got to, you've got to be one who's, who's going to be uh, 
taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way and you got to, you know, cheating isn't that bad every once in a while so long as you get a bit of an advantage from it. Natural world thinking is, is linked into the natural systems of this world. Natural world thinking is, is all about, about cause and effect. It's very minimalistic. It's very quantified inside of what can I get out of this exchange. See, in the, in the heavens, in the spiritual realm, it's completely different. In the spiritual realm, it's not about keeping, it's about giving. Amen? You want peace, you're going to give love to people. You want to have blessing, you're going to share and sow. You're not going to do the things of the, of the natural. You're going to do the opposite of those. And he here it talks to us not only about the natural world, but something else that's mixed into the natural world. With our natural thinking is also mixed in this nasty thing called the flesh. And the flesh in me, because I'm only going to talk about me, and the Bible talks about my flesh, and it says that the bad stuff that I really don't want to do, find myself doing it. And the good stuff that I really do want to do, I can't seem to find my way to it. I don't know about you, but that's my, certainly my condition. And so that flesh is mixed in with us and it's a constant battle for us to humble ourselves and ask ourselves, is this moment, is this agenda, is this opportunity that's before me, is this an opportunity that I can run off into my flesh with or is this something that I can stop and allow the Spirit of God to minister to me inside of and give me a fresh vision for what I'm feeling impulsively drawn into by my emotions. Fear has hit me. I've got to dive into this problem. Oh no, oh no, I saw a line. The new nose that you've got to have is, is like this. So I've got to go and get a nose job. You know, I've got to get a new shirt. I've got to get the new hat. I've got to get the new... That emotional drive, that's, our, that's the pride within our flesh saying, saying, you'll be good enough when you do something on your own, on your own inspiration. Pride wants to get a hold of us and wants to subtly run our lives and say, you're good enough as you are and you can improve yourself. But when we lay that before the Lord and say, Lord, I just take that idea, I'm going to nail that to the cross in Jesus' name and I'm going to sit here, I'm going to receive your washing from the cross, I'm going to receive your cleansing from the cross right now and I'm going to believe that it's no longer I that live but it's now Christ that lives in me And the life that I'm going to walk into the earth with, the life that I'm going to walk into Monday and Sunday afternoon with, that that life is now going to be from the life that you plant in me by faith. The life that you've given to me, rather than the life that I just want to run after and ask you to bless. You know what I'm saying? So so he says this here, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For a man, for, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For what? For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. So if we're going to sow to the flesh, the only thing that's going to come out of the flesh is going to be the same things that are from the source. So if you sow carrots, you're going to reap carrots. If you breed dogs, you're going to get dogs. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But watch this. We can... Praise God. We've got the facility now by God, by Jesus, by the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. We've now got the opportunity in those moments of decision not to sow to the flesh, but sow to the Spirit. 
He says it here. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We're not going to sow to the earth and reap the corruption of the earth. We can sow to the Spirit. We can stop ourselves and say, God, what's your leading? What's your guiding? How can I walk with you in this moment? And when He speaks to you and speaks a word that's going to challenge you and, and take you beyond what your abilities are, or what you think your knowledge is, it's usually a word that sounds like, what? What are you talking about? How does that work? But when we sow to the Spirit, when we ask of Him spiritual wisdom and we sow into the Spirit, we say, God, I'm going to trust you with this circumstance. Guide me, direct me, lead me and show me the way. And He leads us. Whew, it's usually more than we can handle. It's usually like you asked me to do what? You asked me to do what? And He goes, yeah, go and do it. And it's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go and do it, right? But see, watch what happens here. It's confronting, what's it confronting to? It's confronting to the normality of my flesh. It's confronting to the normality of what we already know, all those tried and true uh, paths of life that we know. And as parents, we're trying to train our kids in the way that they should go, that when they get old, they won't depart from it. We know what we know, but sometimes what we know can be a trap from what the Spirit of God is moving us into. Got back from a tour of the US one time, three months away, sitting in the Los Angeles airport. And God says to me, you're going to, go to, you're going to come back to California and do some ministry. And so I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds crazy. I didn't know anybody in California. So I got home to Australia and I cannot shake it. And I'm in prayer and I'm in fasting. And every time I'm trying to pray about whatever God has for us, I can't stop thinking about this California place. And who doesn't want to go to California, right? Who doesn't want to go there? I'm thinking, that's my flesh. I'm being dumb, you know, Get behind me, Satan. Da, 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 da. I'm talking about this. And my wife says to me, no, no, that's what God's saying to you. So I'm like, what? That's crazy. And so I got on the internet and I had a look and there's a conference that was going to happen. And so don't ask me why, but we prayed about it and God said to go and do it. So I, um, I did it. I bought a ticket to go to California. I knew nobody in town, and God told me to go to the, the AOG South, South California, um, Southern California Conference. And I rocked up there, and I'm like, okay, what am I doing here, Lord? And he goes, enjoy the worship. And I'm like, enjoying the worship. And I'm like, this is, this is cool. And he's like, why are you praying and fasting? I'm like, because I'm in a country that I don't know what I'm here for, and I've spent like two grand to get here, and... I think I'm going crazy and I don't know anybody. And he goes, don't be so prideful. Go and go have some breakfast. And I said, but you told me to enjoy the worship. And he's like, go and have some breakfast. So, okay. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going crazy. And I'm standing in the line. There's a Starbucks coffee shop in the bottom of the hotel. And uh, I'm standing in line and I'm waiting. And someone makes a passing comment to the general group of people. And I said, ah, ha, ha, something rather. I can't remember what I said. I made some remark. And this guy turns to me and goes, hey, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Australia. And he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm trying to figure that out. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, last weekend I was uh, doing an Easter convention with some Aboriginal people in the north of Queensland in my state. And God's told me to come to California. And he sent me over here. I'm not quite sure what I'm here to do. And he goes, long and, long and the short of it was, he goes, come and preach for me this weekend. So I'm like, okay, I'll go and do that. Little did I know, right? 
This guy's a young pastor. He's in the second year of his church plant. The church had grown really, really well, but he was having troubles with an older generation man in his church that was trying to take the thing over. And he, he says to me, um, come up, I'd like you to preach because I've been praying and asking God to send someone. And I've been asking God to send someone from, I don't care where you send them from, just let me know. And then when you said you've come all the way from Australia, I just knew I had to have you. Whoa. And so I um, drove up to the city where he was at. And, you know, long story short, God told me to have some, some, some prayer time and I prayer walk this area and whatever. Went into the church and I was in the service and God started speaking to the service about healing and so we started seeing the Lord move in, in power and healing and I, I had a word of knowledge towards the end of it all um, that, that God was going to um, start healing people from, from inner wounds that are from like people of an older generation. I didn't know anything about what the pastor had said. And lo and behold, the guy that was the trouble for him, and it was not just for the pastor, there was rifts being created in this booming young church, and the, he was the worship leader that day. And he came down, and he stood in front of me, and as, I, I, as he stood in front of me, he could barely hold the tears back, and I said to him, it's you, isn't it? And he said, yeah, and the guy would have been about six foot six, and probably, like, he was a huge man. Like, I could barely get my arms around him. And, and he, he came in and he threw his face down on me and he started weeping into my shirt and he's just standing there sobbing and weeping and weeping and crying. And then he starts howling into my church like, ah! and I'm just prophesying healing and blessing and peace over him and, and recovery from the damage of people who should have known better and this sort of thing. And he's howling and he's howling. And then all of a sudden, the pastor who was standing off to the side, he said to me that they don't usually have healing services and stuff. And I, I looked over at him and he's standing off to the side and he's looking around like, he's had that moment of, oh, this is really cute. This is really nice. And there's people laying on the floor over here and shaking and other people. There's one lady who was on a walking frame at the start of it. She was standing up, hooping and hollering, walking around at the back without a healing frame, without a walking frame. And, and then he had this, and he was in the moment for all of it. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he has this moment and it hits him. And he's like, what has happened to my church? And he's looking around and he's like, who is this guy? Like, what is happening here? And then I saw that look on his face. And I said, come over here, pastor. And I said, we need to pray for him. And so we're praying for him. And then this dude falls on the ground and he's, he's holding on to me and he's not, he's not letting go. And so like, I come down on the ground, I'm praying with him. And then I said, pastor, you need to keep praying for him. And so pastor keeps praying for him and he gets up and the pastor and him are hugging. And then afterwards, the pastor shares a story with me about what the problems were and the dynamic of the growth of the church. And this guy gets up and he starts apologizing and repenting to this, to this pastor. And then I went on and I did some other ministry because I got some referrals. And then I, um, then I went back home to Australia. And as I was flying out of, of LAX, I think I was there for like four days, I was, I was flying out and I got a message from the pastor that I'd preached for on this Sunday. And he said to me, you know, thanks so much. Like everything, that was so dramatic. That was so different for us. He said, we've never experienced the grace of God like that. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was glad for the church and everything like that. And then as I was lifting off, I just felt God's heart for this man who'd lived for so many years with all this rage and anger pent up inside of him. And God had taken me from Kapalabar to, to country California up in the north 
to do that. And, and it just this, this verse here, it says, But if we sow to the flesh, we will of the Spirit, sorry, if we sow to the Spirit, we will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I'm not saying that God's telling you to get on a plane and go to California. That was a very dramatic story, right? But some great things happened for that church out of that. And God blessed our ministry and other things as time passed. But I'd like to wrap up with a, a couple of thoughts here. Natural, thir- natural hunger and natural thirst can make us lose perspective. If we, look, if we look at the story of Jacob and Esau, I won't break it down and I won't get into it. But Esau didn't value his birthright. But I want to tell you this. Each and every one of us has been given a heavenly birthright. And only you can fight to defend your birthright. And when someone comes to snatch that birthright, it smells like the very thing you love. Someone in your house can know you so deeply. But the challenge is right there, we've got to honor what we know God has called us for. We've got to fight for what God has called us for. And in that generation of twins, everyone gives Jacob the trouble. Everyone gives Jacob the trouble for, for stealing Esau's birthright. But Esau was the one who hadn't sold it. And I think if you examine the story, if, you, if we had time, we would see that Esau was living a life that wasn't honoring his birthright. And even though Jacob was a thief, think about this. In the eyes of God, It was better for God's destiny to go into the hands of a thief than into the hands of the son of promise. And sometimes, sometimes the son of promise is so neglectful that in that generation, God would rather stick it in the hands of a thief. God help me. God help us to recognize that God looks at us with such, such hope for what we could be in this world. And just going after Him and understanding that we have a a hunger and a thirst. I want to close on this. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, if we look at Isaiah 40 in that word, wait, it says there are those who wait on the Lord. Does that just mean sitting in, in God's presence and doing nothing? It means to be pressing in. And when we're pressing in, when we're entwining ourselves with the promises of God in our spirit, entertaining the ideas of God, what are the prophecies of God? What is the living word of God that you've been reading lately? What does that speak to you about? Take that word into the presence of God and commune with that message. Okay, if you've promised me, Lord, that I'm going to be the best doctor I'm going to be, Lord, show me how I'm going to be the best. I'm going to fellowship with you in the Spirit and allow you to birth that inside of me. I'm going to allow your Word to to become flesh and dwell among us like you did with Jesus coming into this Word because He is the Word. He is the Logos. He is the stamp of perfection made manifest for me to inhabit and for me to interpret and then for me to live out. What is the Word of God in prayer and in worship? And you see this right here, that waiting on the, the, waiting on the Lord, the word is kova. It literally means to entwine yourself onto. So whatever the Lord is speaking to you about, take the time. What, what are you going to do? You're going to watch another Netflix series? Take the time to entwine yourself upon the Word of God and live out of it. 
No, look, I watch Netflix stuff with my kids, but I take time to be with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Life is still life and all the blessings that we have, they're, they're, they're there for us to be blessed by. God bless Him and thank you for that, Lord. But nothing can take the place of Him as our foundation. And watch this. I'm going to conclude with this. And I want you to take this into the year that's coming. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 they shall renew their strength. That word there, kalef, is a, is a Hebrew word for renew. And it means to hasten quickly. When we go into the presence of the Lord and we entwine ourselves with His promises and we start to ask, Lord, it's all well and good for this stuff to be preached, but what does it look like for me to walk this out? What am I going to look like in two, three, six, 12 months time on this promise? Thank you for the promise, God. And I allow it into my spirit. But now I'm going to fellowship with you and ask you to guide me in my paths and direct me in my walking and show me how I can cut away the things that need to be cut away or show me how that I can face those things in spiritual warfare like I need to or whatever it is. Show me how to make my way through that God's promise is that He will move in quickly on you. Some of us are waiting for God to move in quickly. When's my breakthrough going to be? Well, it's about the waiting. It's not about the breakthrough. It's about the time in His presence. It's not about His promise. His promise is true. It's just about us saying, yes, that's me, Lord. Here I am. I'm going to stay in Your presence. I'm going to fellowship with You. And it, you don't have to seek God for seven hours a day. You don't have to seek God for 12 hours a day. You can just be in His presence and, and daily, every day. Remember uh, Jesus at the, time of his, at the time of His crucifixion. He said to His disciples, I had to take this in. I have to take this into life. I have to take this into life. Can you not bear one hour with me? I can find an hour for Jesus. I can. I can find an hour for Jesus. I'm normally, I'm normally at work. I get, I get the kids dropped off for school. Then I got me some time. I get an hour. I get into my office, get into some space. And I'm just going to start to claim His promises. Yesterday, I woke up feeling really unwell. I got up about 5.30. I was on the bed till about 8, just in His presence, just sitting in His promises. Just, just fellowshipping with Him. It's not, about, it's not about you trying to be a super mega Christian out there. It's just about waiting on the Lord because He is your Father and He wants to guide you into all truth according to your life. Father, I just thank You for Your Spirit that's moving here in this place today. Lord, I thank You that Your hand is upon each and every one of us that as we come to the start of this year, we're not going to have breakthrough because it's a new day because it's a new calendar. It's not even new year on the Hebrew calendar. It's not even a new month on the Hebrew calendar. But Lord, but you're with us and this is your living word to us. And so we just pray, Father, as, as sons and daughters in the house of God, as we can focus our will in on you, as we can focus our attention in on you, as we can focus our heart to chase after and to seek after and to enmesh ourselves with your word. We want to do that here in this place today. And Pastor Paul, I'd love to open up the, the, prayer for, uh, the, the front for prayer. Pray for people if they, if they want prayer for healing. I'm happy to, to, to be a part of that. But if you want prayer for, for the direction that your life is going and you want to respond to this word, I'd love to pray for you. But uh, just as we, as we head into this new year, I do want to take a moment before I pass over to Pastor Paul and maybe we can pray after the service. I don't know how you want to run that, Pastor Paul. But I do want to ask everybody to just close our eyes and bow our heads and give the ones around us a moment of privacy. And you may have come to the service today just searching at the start of a new year for answers. 
according to the questions that you have in your life. And as they say, the answer is always Jesus. But reality is you've been searching for something more than just topical, nominal, surface answers. You need something of substance. And as you've been in the service today, you've been hearing the Spirit of God speak to you, saying to you, son, saying to you, daughter, there's more for you than what you've been living. Your life is, there's, there's more for you. There's a future. There's a hope for you that you're burning for inside. God wants you to know that, that He loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son to take away every imperfect thing that you ever did. He died on the cross as a penalty for imperfection and sin because the wages of sin is death. That's, separate, that's what separates us from God. But He loves us all so much that He gave His Son to pay the penalty of, of death even though He didn't even deserve it Himself. He loved the world so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did that so that He could have a father-child relationship. 